0: All evidence of Easter is gone, and another year has passed, and I'm excited because, you know, we celebrated the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with the best of them. I mean, I came into this place last Sunday. It was amazing. The decorations, they were were phenomenal. I came in, the place was packed. I mean, it was like, hey, guys, you might want to start bringing out chairs in the back. That was a beautiful thing at the an inspiring musical that inspired people and challenged people. At the end of it, after, after we shared a little bit from God's Word, there were at least 15 people that indicated they trusted Christ as their Savior. Hello. I mean, hello, that's awesome. There were many, many others, not even counting those decisions. There were many others, many of you who are sitting here today, that indicated to me, that said, hey, you know what, Pastor, I actually want to live more for Christ than I have been. And so, I mean, it was a phenomenal day. And after the musical, you remember, I shared with you, I was talking about Jesus in, in the Gospel of John and how in the Gospel of John that Jesus, he shared that he was the bread of life shared the fact that he was not only the bread of life, he was the light of the world. In John chapter 10, he said, I am the door. He said, I am the good shepherd. In John chapter 11, remember, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. In John chapter 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And in John chapter 15, remember, I shared with you that Jesus himself declared that he was the true vine. Man, that gets me excited. I start thinking about all these titles. You remember in in John chapter 4, he was the living water. In John chapter 5, he was the great physician. And so on and on, just if we look at the gospel of John, and you remember I said that was really great how he declared who he was. But remember when he was talking with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so we shared all these things and I was thinking about, man, we got so excited about Easter. But what about now? What do we get excited about? I was thinking also that Jesus in John chapter 14, you know he shared promise. He shared some promises with his disciples. And one such promise, we, I think the guys have it. We find in John chapter 14 in verse 1, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And then he says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you, that where I am, there ye may be also. In verse verse number 3 of that passage, Jesus says, I'm coming back. And you know, I can't help but to wonder. I kind of put myself in the story sometimes. Had you seen Jesus die on the cross, even though he had told you he was coming back? Again and again and again. How much would we really have believed he was coming back? You know, that first Easter uh, morning, first resurrection morning, I was talking about it Wednesday night. We had Easter's invitation. But, you know, with an invitation comes the imperative. You know, the angel said to Mary Magdalene the other Mary, and and another gospel reveals uh, Salome and says, Hey, come and see the place where the Lord lay. He is not here. He is risen just as He has said. Now go quickly and tell His disciples, He's going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see Him. And so the women were uh, uh, encouraged at that time. But you know, there were many people back in that day that doubted. They doubted that Jesus would raise from the dead, and they doubted that He would be able to keep that promise that he talked about in John chapter 14 and other places when he said, I'm coming again. In fact, you may be sitting here this morning and you say, you know what, I'm thankful for Jesus' working in my life. I'm thankful for the fact that the Bible tells me I can be forgiven. I'm I'm so appreciative of the new life I have in Christ. But I'll be real honest with you, Pastor. I'm not real sure Jesus is coming back. Isn't it enough that he died for me and is going to take me to glory? Oh sure, that's enough. But I think we ought to rejoice and be excited that not only did Jesus come once, but He said He's coming again. And so this morning I want to ask you the question, is He really coming back? Is He really coming back? Because I got about four amens when I asked that question. See, I think just like them back then, there were some people who doubted. I believe that there's people who doubt today. And so I want to ask this question, is he really coming back? And here's what I want to do. While I ask that question through our message this morning, I want each one of us to ask and answer ourselves a question. And that question is, am I really ready for him to come back? You know, I hear people all the time saying, oh, I wish Jesus would come back now. So do I. So do I. But I want you to know that doesn't change it one bit. You know, the Old Testament reveals hundreds and hundreds of prophecies about Jesus' return. In fact, if you go into the New Testament, over and over again in Scripture, it refers to the fact that He's coming back. But before we get in and dive in deep to our message, I want you to understand that there have been many people, and I think we would all agree, there have been many people who have offered suggestions. Have you ever heard somebody kind of predict when Jesus is coming back? Anybody? Hey, let me ask you a question. Did you believe them? Y'all didn't go out and buy a purple robe and purple tennis shoes? and Y'all didn't do that? Hey, you know, there's been a lot of people who have offered their suggestions. There have been a lot of theologians. I'm going to use a big word. I told my son I'm going to use a big word this morning. He gets excited when I, when I broaden my lexicon. You know, there have been a lot of theologians who have pontificated Woo. And that makes me feel smart. Pontificated, Krista. There have been a lot of people who have pontificated as to when Jesus would return. But I want you to know, and listen, the Word of God is true. And I want you to know that the word of God reveals that Jesus, he himself declared that no one could actually know when he's coming back. Notice this, and they'll throw it up on the screen. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 35 and 36, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, said these words. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour, what does it say? Knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. You see in Matthew chapter 24, that's just one passage where he proclaims, hey, you don't know. You have no idea. But don't be discouraged because if if we were going to go there, we're not going to go there for time's sake. But if I was to take you over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, those who are born-again believers... Christians, those who have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them, if you were to read in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 and following, you would find out that you can actually know a little bit about his return. And actually, our job is not really to know. Our job is to watch, to be watchful, to be waiting, to be alert, observing everything that takes place within sight or hearing, Sergeant Major, like we have our general orders, From the military, you know, we have spiritual general orders as well. And so, listen, we could go on and on, but I want you to notice three quick things from 2 Peter chapter 3. So turn with me, if you will, and let's read our passage for this morning because I believe that God, through the apostle Peter, has some things to say to us from this very short passage of text. In verse number 1 of this passage, the Bible says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, "...in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing of this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation." For this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And what I want you to know right off, right from the very offset, is number one, if you're taking notes, his return will be questioned. His return will be questioned. Listen, there were people questioning it in Peter's time and there's people still questioning the return of Jesus Christ today. In fact, we see Peter shedding some light on those who would question Jesus' return in verse number 3. Notice what verse number 3 says. It says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers... Now, what I want you to understand is that word scoffer means to deride or jeer at. The idea is to mock or to ridicule. And, the, and what is of interest here, the point of this is that there are people in Peter's day, and I don't think we have to look very far to see them in our day, there are people who delight in making fun of God. They delight not only in making fun of God, they ridicule You, if you're a believer, you are ridiculed because you are weak. You have trusted in Christ because you're weak. So they ridicule God. They make fun of you. They mock sin. They make light of sin. They plead for sin. They openly commit sin. In fact, not only do they openly commit sin, they glory in it. They take glory in sin. And so we see that scoffers have always been with us. This is just not something that was present in Peter's day this is something that we see even today to the scoffer every assertion about God becomes fuel for another joke to the scoffer they make light of his coming judgment they are branded by immorality and, and vice and you say well how do you know that Well, look at verse 3 again you say how are they branded by immorality and vice notice what it says it says knowing this first that there shall come in the last days scoffers and what does it say right after the scoffers walking after their own lusts saying where is the promise listen they're walking after their own lust while ridiculing the promise of Jesus they're saying he's not coming back we can live how we want to live we can say what we want to say we can do what we want to do because this Jesus that you guys keep talking about I mean they've been talking about it for years and years and years and years and years and if he was really serious where is he Oh, don't be lulled to sleep by the world. Don't, be, don't allow Satan to get in and get you off track. Listen, the scoffer makes light of God's coming judgment because to acknowledge the truth of it would require... It's a dirty little word. It would require change. And the scoffer does not want to change. In fact, you know, there's some believers that don't want to change. I had the opportunity to visit Sunday school classes today to share the good news that some Sunday school classes would be moving to different rooms. You'll never guess, there were some people that were not really excited about that. This is my room, and this is where I will take my stand. Okay, General Custer, take your stand. Oh, we gotta get excited. Soon and very soon, I don't know about you, if you wanna stay here, but soon and very soon, I'm going to see the king. You could stay here and be miserable, but I'm going one day and I'm going to sing a song that is reserved for the redeemed. The angels will not even sing the song that I'm going to sing. That's how, you know what? You say, you're kind of braggadocious. No, that's what God says. God says, I, as his child, will sing a song that not even the angels can sing. And you say, well, do the angels sing? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, the Bible says there's rejoicing in the presence of angels over one sinner that repents. Oh, they sing all the time. Every time somebody gets saved, every time somebody says, you know what, I've had enough of my way, I'm going to turn to God's way. Every time they do that, the angels start rejoicing. But you know what, one day, soon and very soon, whether it's on this side or the other, I'm going to see the king. Oh, wouldn't it be cool? It would be really cool if Jesus came back like, right now. scared you. Some of you are like, oh, I'm not ready. Could, could, he, could he wait till after the message? I hope he does. Somebody, I think it was Joe, we were praying this morning. It's been a long time since I heard this, and this might rub the fur the wrong way. But Joe, I was reminded, it may have been Larry, it may have been Joe, I can't remember, I'm getting old. One of the guys prayed, uh, as, said something to the reference of a pastor who used to pray, God, please be merciful to the one today that is closest to hell. Man, I started thinking about that while they were praying. Do you know my Bible says we don't have a blank check on tomorrow? You may be sitting here today and you've never trusted Christ. Can I I beg you? Please trust Him today. Please trust Him today because you could drive out this, this driveway and go out into eternity. We've had it happen, haven't we? Thank goodness for the grace of Jesus. Thank goodness for His love and His mercy. Listen, this, is, this has been the case all down through history. It's not just in Peter's day, it's in our day. But His return, it's going to be questioned. There's no doubt it's going to be questioned. And I think about all the signs. I was, I was doing a lot of reading this week and looking at all the signs of the times. And I just want to share with you one sign. One sign only today that kind of indicates that we're closer to His return than ever before. And that's the sign of society. That's the sign of our culture, of our society in which we live today. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, the Bible talks about in Matthew chapter 24, remember I read to you that Jesus said, no man knoweth the day except for the Father. The angels don't even know. Now, you say, why does the Father know? Because Jesus does nothing apart from His Father. You can read that in John chapter 5, verse number 19. But in Matthew 24, verse 37 and following, Jesus says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, what Jesus is saying here, he says, hey, listen, I'm going to be coming back when things get bad like they were in Noah's day. (laughs) Uh, That's a sign. I'm going to be coming back when I see that the world is in really, really bad shape. You say, well, how were things in Noah's day? Well, in Genesis chapter 6, the Bible reveals to us in verse number 5 and 6, it says this, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was what? Only evil continually. And notice this, what a sad verse. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. You see, in Noah's day, God saw a degenerate world. He saw a world in which moral evil was running rampant, a world in which marriage was being abused. You say, hold on, what do you mean? Go back to Genesis chapter 6. You'll find that marriage was being abused back in Genesis chapter 6. He saw a world in which violence was prevailing all over the place. He saw a world in which spiritual influences were being rejected. Immorality and violence were everywhere. Does that sound familiar? I don't know if it does to you or if it's just me and my little uh, way of thinking. Man, I'm thinking about our society and the way people are operating now. It seems like we're closer to the days of Noah than ever before. In fact, turn with me in your Bibles, if you have your Bible or electronic version, to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. I want you to see four verses. In 2 Timothy, if you get there, go to chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Because I'm only sharing the one sign of society. I want you to see what the Bible says in the New Testament. We just shared the Old Testament. I want you to see the correlation here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Notice what verse number 1 says. This know also that in the... What does your Bible say? What days? Last days. Okay, just I want to make sure. Notice... This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men, by the way, you need to understand that that word men, ladies are like, See, I knew men were, men are evil. Men, I, I know God loves me more. I, I got some bad news for you, ladies. The Greek of that word men is anthropos. And it means humanity, mankind as a whole. That means you too, Ladies. Okay, so let's look at this verse again and read it with that in mind. Verse number 2, For men and women, you might as well say, shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, Traders, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. This is a sign of the end times. This is a sign that Jesus is getting ready to break that eastern sky. Man, I wish you'd come today. I wish you'd come today. You say, well, hold on. Uh, I want to go see my grandkids one more time. See them in heaven. Tell them about Jesus and let's get together in heaven and sing a song together. Let's get together and sing that song of the redeemed. Listen, the Bible talks about men and women shall be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. You know, this is nothing new. When Paul wrote this to young Timothy, this was nothing new because Jesus, I shared with you in John chapter 3, that Jesus was having that discussion, discussion with Nicodemus. And you know, he said, Verily, verily, except a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. And he had that dialogue with Nicodemus. Well, a little bit further down, You know, we like that verse when we get down to verse number 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But what I want you to notice is that Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse number 19, He said, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world. But what does He say? And men loved darkness rather than the light. Because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. be reproved. I'm not sure about you, but it's pretty clear to me that we're certainly living in a day and age in which it seems a lot like the days of Noah. We ought to be ready. Listen, you can question. And you know, the reason a lot of people questioned back then and even now is because people were preaching about it, they were predicting it, they were preparing for the Lord's return, and it didn't happen. And so because of a delay, a lot of people started questioning and started doubting. And if we're not careful as believers, we can do the same thing. And you say, what is so important about believing that Jesus is coming back? Because it will affect how you live today. If you truly, if I truly, if we truly believe that Jesus is coming back, it is going to affect not only what we say, think, and do today, it will affect our tomorrows and our tomorrows and our tomorrows as the Lord gives us breath. And so it's pretty important that we understand that just because the world questions His return, we shouldn't be questioning it. We should be thankful and rejoicing in the fact that He is going to return. Number two, His return will take place. I got some good news for you. The Bible clarifies it for us. If you look in verse number five, Peter shares with us that the so-called critics of Christ's return are willingly ignorant. Notice what verse number five says. It says, "For this." They willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Let's just stop right there for a second. They were willingly ignorant. They chose to be ignorant of certain things, but I also believe there was some spiritual things working against them as well. You see, because they failed to process the critical data. They failed to process critical data that they have at their disposals. They had the prophets before, they have the apostles, they have uh, the words uh, of Jesus Christ that are being uh, kind of broadcast throughout the world at that time. And they fail to process that critical data. But not only do they do that, they have limited vision. Surprise, surprise, they have limited vision. Why do they have limited vision? Because the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 14, the Apostle Paul said, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. They're unable to comprehend. They're limited in their vision. They do not take into account that God is sovereign. Guys, God is sovereign. And He can say and do whatever He wants, as He pleases, at any time He wants. But there's also something that we must be confident and remember to take into account. Yes, God is sovereign, but please don't forget, God is also bound by His Word. You say, what does that mean? That means if He has said it in His Word, it is going to happen according to His Word. The Bible tells us in Psalm 9, 119, verse 89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. My predecessor shared this many, many times. In fact, just about every third message you would hear reference to Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the Son of Man that he should repent. Hath he said it and shall he not do it? You know, hath he sh- will he not make it good? Listen, God is not going to lie. And so if he has said it in his word, he is bound by it. Guys, Jesus said, I will come again. You either believe it or you don't. You can question it, but the reality is Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. I'm excited about that. Man, I get tired of cleaning bathrooms. But you know what? I would clean that heavenly tr- latrine, oh my goodness, wouldn't you, for Jesus? Wouldn't you do it for Jesus? Oh, I hope you would. Listen, I'm looking forward to that day. And here's the thing. I said he's going to return, and his return hinges on his word. I told you he's not a liar. So the fact that I said he's going to return, everything based on his return hinges on the fact that he has already said it to us. Listen, he's the only witness we have and he's the only witness we need. That's, that's the beauty of it all. Proverbs fourteen five actually tells us that a faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. Do you know, Jesus is our faithful witness. What he has said, that shall he also do. Listen, after Peter says that these critics are willingly ignorant, he gives the readers three instances In verses 6 and 7, he gives three instances in which Jesus has actually stepped into time and changed the world. Notice what he says. Verse number 5, by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Nine times I found, it's crazy, nine times in Genesis chapter 1, we see the phrase, and God said... God spoke the world into existence. In fact, Psalm 33, verses 6 and following, the Bible says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of His mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea together as a heap. He layeth up in the depth storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. Notice what it says in verse 9. For He spake, and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast oh listen Hebrews 11 also refers that by the word of God things were created listen he did it in the creation of the world he did it in the flood of Noah's day I told you that Jesus we found in Genesis chapter 5 verses uh, uh, 5 and 6 or Genesis chapter 6 excuse me verses 5 and 6 that things were bad it was really a bad time but notice what verse number 7 says in Genesis chapter 6 it says but It says, And the Lord God said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creepy thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Guys, the scoffers who are willingly ignorant in Noah's day said that it wouldn't happen. They saw Noah building this ark for a long, long time. In fact, longer than any of us are alive. Noah was building that ark. Can you imagine the jeers and the ridicule that he took? You're a crazy man. You're a crazy man. What are you building that for? What is that thing anyway? It's the biggest fishing boat in the world. You're a lunatic. You know, they thought Jesus was a lunatic as well. Some considered him a liar. Some considered him a lunatic. I consider him the savior of the world. Oh, my goodness, folks. Listen, scoffers are those who are willingly ignorant in Noah's day hey they're still around today and i got news for you you know when the lord speaks that's when things begin to happen and the lord god said i will make man in our own image you know we will make man in our own image when he speaks not only as far as creation as far as the flood and but when he speaks to us when he speaks to me and we respond to his word that's when things begin to happen you're sitting here and you say i've never responded to god's word That's when things will begin to happen. Quit wishing for something to happen while rejecting the Word of God. When we start obeying the Word of God, that's when things begin to happen and change in our lives. Think about the fire to come. You say, whoa, I don't like to think about the fire to come. Well, Peter talks about it. Notice what verse number seven says. But the heavens and the earth which are now, by the same word, are kept in store. God's preserving the earth right now. But notice what it says. It's reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Listen, there's coming a day when by the word of God, the world as we know it and all its sinfulness will be destroyed. I got good news for you. For those who have trusted in Christ, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about that. But I think it's interesting because in verse number 10, the scoffers who were making fun of God's word, notice what verse number 10 says of our passage. It says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. You say, how's that going to happen? Come on, come on, how's the earth going to be burned up? Well, didn't God speak this world into existence? You think if he, by the word of his mouth, created the heavens and earth, he could take care of the burning up of the elements? I got some scientific news for you too. I I, I told told my kids I'm gonna use some science here today. Uh, Think about this, oxygen. Oxygen, every one of us in this room, we take it in and we let it out each and every day. Do you know that oxygen is required for all combustion? It's what fire feeds on. You take away the oxygen, fire dies. You add oxygen, fire roars. Just a thought, hmm. Nitrogen. Nitrogen is a component of dynamite. TNT, nitroglycerin explosives. Again, every day you and I gulp it in. Mass amounts of nitrogen. Huh, just some elements in the air. Oh, who likes to add salt to their french fries? Do you know salt is one-third sodium? Uh, uh, Sodium as a whole is a gray putty compound and it must be kept in kerosene or guess what happens? Yes, so you know what happens? Kaboom! It explodes. And yet you and I just take it in each and every day. Let's eat some more salt. Let's put some more sodium into our system. So we got oxygen, we got nitrogen, we got sodium. Oh, how's the earth going to melt away? Because you see, it says in verse number 10 that the elements will melt with fervent heat the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Hmm. Verse number 7, going back to that, it says that this earth is reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. What about water? Anybody have a drink of water? Hold on, let me get some. Hydrogen and oxygen mixed in such a way that you and I can take it in. It was pretty good, too. Do you not think that one word from God, one thought from God, he could change the makeup of water, oxygen, nitrogen, sodium, in such a way that this earth would melt away? By the way, this earth has been compared to a big old uh, globular egg, and yet we walk around on it every day trusting it. How do we do that? This earth is held together by the word of God. It was created. It's held together. Man, all the beauties of this earth are given to us as a gift. Listen, we could go on and on. Atoms, you think about atoms. When they're split, a chain reaction is set in motion, and it has the power to vaporize and completely level cities. And yet you and I, if you look at the inside makeup of you and I, we are all made up of atoms. It's kind of interesting when you start studying it from a scientific perspective. But I got good news for you. Jesus is coming back. And his word affirms it. In John chapter 14, verse 3, he said, I'm coming again. In Revelation 22, 20, again, he proclaims, again, surely, I come quickly. The angels, you think about when Jesus ascended into heaven in Acts chapter 1, you know, and they were all like, what the heck just happened? And the angel says to them in Acts chapter 1, verse number 10, it says this, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven Shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go to heaven. Listen, not only did Jesus proclaim it, the angels proclaimed it, the apostle Paul declared it. In First Thessalonians chapter four, he says this: For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then when we we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then he says, wherefore, comfort yourselves with these words. Listen, it's been declared through his word. And we have a choice. We either believe it and trust his word or we question it. Oh, Jesus is coming back. John wrote in Revelation chapter 1, verse number 7. He says, behold, he cometh with clouds. And I like this. He says, and every eye, every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Oh, the Bible talks about the fact that in the last days, mockers and scoffers and fools can and will have their laugh. But I got news for you, Jesus will come. And the last thought I wanna give you this morning is not only will he come, but Jesus will return right on time. He's not gonna be late. He's not bound by our uh, measurement of time. In fact, you see that in Peter's passage in verse number eight the bible says but beloved be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day listen it reminds us of the reality that god that god does not is not and will not view or operate according to our timetable he's unaffected by time listen he doesn't he doesn't think like you and i do his ways are higher than our ways i was thinking about this and i was telling uh I, i was talking with somebody in the office. You remember in Galatians chapter 4, we got excited about baby Jesus at Christmas, right? Everybody likes baby Jesus. Everybody's excited about baby Jesus in the manger. We like the shepherds and everything. In Galatians chapter 4, you know the Bible says, And when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. I started thinking about this. Jesus does nothing separate from his father. The father sent Jesus. Jesus came. The father said, it's time to go. He came. That's pretty cool, right? Do you know that I read to you our passage that Jesus said the father was the one that knew when he would be coming back. Just as there was an appointed time for Jesus to come, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, being made of a woman, made under the law, in Galatians 4, it says that. Do you know at the end, God will send forth his son, and he will come right on time. You say, well, then why hasn't he come? Why is, why is he delaying his, his return? I got news for you. Jesus is not delaying. I worked for Dr. Gary Gray in Springfield, Missouri, and if you wanted to offend Gary Gray, you would say that Jesus was tarrying. Jesus doesn't tarry. To tarry means to be lazy. My children tarry when I tell them to do something. I tarry when my wife tells me to do something. Jesus doesn't tarry. You say, where do you get that from? I get it from a proper study, a hermeneutical study of Scripture. You can read that in 2 Peter 3, verse number 9. Notice our last verse that we read, and I close the message. And the Lord is not slack. Concerning his promise, that phrase there is not slack means that he does not delay. He does not delay his promise, as men, as some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all. And you know the word. I did a study of the word all, and here's exactly what it means. It means all, any, every, the whole, all any, every, the whole. The Bible says he is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You say, well, why hasn't Jesus returned? I believe it can be summed up in one word, and that word is love. He hasn't returned yet because of love, but I got news for you when the father tells him it's time to come he's coming I got some sobering news for you the Bible talks about there'll be destruction and perdition of ungodly men they're going to be men and women who will be separated from all eternity from God at that point we were talking about Israel in Sunday school Larry was teaching about it you know uh, there's going to be many many Jews that will be losing their life near the end times. Guys, the opportunity that you and I have today is also a responsibility. It's a responsibility to buy up the opportunity to understand Easter's invitation was come and see the place where the Lord lay. If you've never trusted Christ, I want to encourage you to trust Him today. Buy up that opportunity. If you're here today and you say, I'm not living for Him then I want to beg you to begin doing so today. I want you to understand Jesus is coming, and he's coming again, and he will come again right on time. And you say, when is it? I don't know. I wish I could tell you. I wish I could be one of those men that was able to pontificate correctly and tell you when he's coming. I don't know, but I do know this. He's coming again, and so let's be ready. Let's be ready. Let's live like we believe he's coming back at any moment. Because if we did, we would be telling more people about Jesus.